Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 22. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, and it was buffeted by the winds and the waves because a storm had arose. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when, Jesus, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out upon the water. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat and the wind had died down, then those who were there in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we gather for worship. We hear your word read and proclaimed. We hear it in song, in prayer, in scripture, and in preaching. But let us hear your word in our heart, O Lord, so that we would be changed, transformed, if you will, not just into hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. In 2017, on one of the back courts at Wimbledon during the Ladies Invitational Tournament, Kim Cloisters and her partner, Renee Stubbs, are getting ready to to continue their match, and Kim is about to serve, and she asks her partner where she should put it, wide or close, and in the second or third row, a man hollers out, body. Now, if you know anything about tennis, that means he's talking about hitting hitting it straight at their opponent. And Cloister stops and she looks over at him in disbelief and she calls him out and she says, you said body. And he sort of sheepishly nods and she she says, come on out here. And with that, her opponents begin to beckon him out. They offer him, they spin the racket around and offer it to him. There's a slight protest, but Cloisters, they call him out and out on the court he comes. Now here's several facts. The man is Chris Quinn. He is an Irishman, and he looks nothing like a world-class tennis player. He looks more like what you might see as a loose head prop on a rugby team. That's a position in which you need to be stout and strong and big. 
Not what you think of as quick on your feet and with quick hands for tennis. Also, you have to remember that Wimbledon's got a very strict dress code, even more strict than any of our schools could ever have. If you play on the court at Wimbledon, it's all whites. White socks, white shoes, white shirt, white shorts or skirt. Quinn looks more like he's about to go on a day's worth of Zoom calls with a pair of blue gym shorts and a green shirt. And this is where the whole story gets interesting. He's now out there in front of all the world to see. They've handed him a racket and Cloister says, it's a good thing he's got on his all whites. And then you could see the bell go off in her head. She goes over and rummages in her tennis bag and she pulls out a tennis skirt. Now at this moment, the crowd starts to laugh. The announcer goes, oh no, Kim, oh no, Kim, we don't want to see that. It won't even go over his knees. And at the moment, they begin to sort of balance him out and he steps into the skirt and with a very forceful tug up, and I mean a forceful tug up, he gets it over the knees and everything else. And then somewhere, someone fishes out a shirt. And so he's standing there on the baseline in a skirt and a short stretched to the limits of spandex ability. And finally, he's ready. And he stands at the baseline and Cloisters takes her spot. She's preparing for the serve. And she looks and the crowd starts to yell, body shot, body shot. And with all of that noise, she tosses it up. She cracks the serve. And would you believe it? Quinn, in his ridiculous outfit, returns it perfectly. The crowd goes wild. The ball boys and girls, the umpires, the announcers, the whole crowd cheers and clapping, laughter all the way around. No one can believe that this has happened on Wimbledon. The unthinkable. A man in the stands called out to play tennis and with all the distractions around him, returns the shot perfectly. Almost, if you could say, the impossible happened before our eyes. See, a similar thing happened in our text today. Jesus sends the disciples ahead in the boat and a storm arises and it happens to Peter you see, there's this storm and they're scared and Jesus walks across the water and then Peter just utters out, call me out, Lord. And Jesus says, come on out. And Peter climbs down over the boat and he begins to walk across the water, focused intently on Jesus, looking at him straight in the eyes and he's able to walk across the water. And it's only when he becomes distracted by the wind and the waves that he begins to slip and to sink. And yet Jesus is there to lift him up and collect him. I think about this text and I think about our own practice of faith and what it means to us. I mean, if, what, what does it say if we have the courage to follow, to get off the stands of life and into the game? And if we focus on what and who matters the most, what successes will we find when we live our faith that way? We begin to realize that with Jesus, the impossible is possible. See, I like Peter. I like Peter as I read through the gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. I like Peter because 
Peter is always that disciple that he just says what he's thinking. He speaks it out. It's not because he's got a lack of self-awareness, but he's got a bold passion. I mean, think about it. When Jesus has got the disciples gathered around and he knows that the, the Pharisees and the crowd are all murmuring who he is and who does this man think he is healing on the Sabbath and all these things, Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And, you know, the disciples begin to think about this and they're trying to be tactful and come up with, you know, there's always that person that always wants to come up with the wise, most insightful answers. They're choosing their words carefully. And Peter just blurts out, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, exactly. And Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. You're the rock. Or later when they're around the table at the, at the last of Jesus's ministry and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Peter just blurts out quickly, I'll never do that. Because he loves Jesus so much. So in this case, it's not surprising that they're there in the boat and the storm comes up and Jesus walks across the water and they're afraid. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. It doesn't surprise me that Peter would say so boldly and passionately, call me out, Jesus Call me out of the boat and onto the water. See, following Jesus requires that boldness, that bold passion of faith. It requires that not only of us as individuals, but also for us as a congregation, as a church. I mean, think about it. When we joined the church, when we took our vows of membership, when we took our vows of confirmation, we said that we, would, that we were asked, do you support do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you put your whole trust in him? I mean, that's a bold statement to say in front of a congregation of believers, in front of all the world to hear and all the saints in heaven to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I put my whole trust in him. But the same thing to think about the bold statement that the church makes. Think about our mission, our reason for being in business, our reason for doing what we do. We say that we exist to follow Jesus, to make disciples, to transform the world. I mean, folks, that's a bold statement to think that we can follow Jesus, that we can make disciples, that we can be a part of the transformation of the world. Us mere mortals. These are bold and passionate statements. But see, Jesus calls us, congregations and individuals, calls us people in a church to live and to be this way, boldly passionate, to be like Peter, to not just utter these words, but to step out of the boat, to step off of the sidelines, to get out of the stands of life and to live these words and to live this conviction in all of our hearts to full depth of our being and our mission and ministry. Airplane pilots and sailors, they know that navigation is the key to everything. Yes, it's great to have a destination in mind if you know that you want to cross the country or cross the ocean or a large body of water. It's great to know where your destination is, but in order to reach it, you've got to set a course. And then not just to set the course, but be focused on staying on course. See, because over time, if you don't, you can be irreparably off course and far away from your destination, and depending on where it is, could be in a world of trouble. 
See, Peter, when he was called out of the boat, remember what happened? He was so focused on Jesus. He was looking at him and he kept his eyes on Jesus. And it was only when he took his eyes off of Christ that he began to sink in the waves, began to be overwhelmed. See, the same is true for our practice of faith, both personally and ecclesially as a congregation. Think about it on a personal note. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, if we let the distractions of the world, the business and busyness of the world around us distract us to the point that we neglect our relationship with God, then we go off course. If we want to be better parents, better spouses, better friends, better co-workers, better people, then we need to focus on Christ in everything that we do. We need to listen more. We need to seek God more. We need to boldly ask more. And for us to do that, we need to set aside time. Set aside time to focus on that course of action, to focus on that course of faith that we so desperately want to hold on to because we feel called out of the boat. I mean, it's a lot like exercise. I mean, nobody enjoys doing exercise the first time they do it, but the more it becomes a repetitive motion, the more that we enjoy it and the more it becomes a way of life, the same is true for our faith. If we want those deeper relationships, if we want that personal improvement, if we want to be better people, the people that God calls us to truly be fully devoted, then we've got to start focusing on that relationship and our practice of faith. The same is true for the church. So often the church gets distracted by the business and the busyness of life, trying to do and to be all things that we neglect our mission, we neglect our focus. But if we want to truly transform the world, then it's got to be mission first for the church as it is for us as individuals. I think about the now normal of this pandemic that we find ourselves in. Our staff is thinking about how to design ministries so that we're focused on our mission for maximum success, even as we wrestle with all of the different protocols and opportunities. But we're not just living in the here and now. We're thinking about the next normal, you know, the, post, the post-pandemic, the post-COVID church. What is it going to look like? And we want to focus on our ministries to, on that which fulfills our calling that which fulfills so that as we as a church get out of the boat, as we begin to walk across and focus on Jesus, that we begin to do that which fulfills our mission and to let those things that distract us from it go. See, the funny thing about this, it becomes like a flywheel. The deeper our personal faith, the better our church is able to focus. The better our church is able to focus, the deeper it helps us focus on our faith. And the cycle repeats again and again and again. But here's the good news. The good news that we know is that if we are utter those words to be called out off the bench, out of the boat, and off the sidelines of life, and if we focus on Jesus, that we will find success, that the impossible is possible with Christ. I mean, Peter saw that. Peter asked it, and I'm sure the disciples thought, who is he? Who is he to think that he can walk on water? And yet he was able to do it. The same is true for our congregation. I mean, the book that's written out there, the storyline that is told over and over again is that large mainline downtown churches are in decline, that their time has come and gone. Well, don't tell the people of this congregation that, because let me tell you what, we have transformed our buildings. We are renovating our ministries. We are changing lives throughout the city because we are focused on our calling and our mission. 
We are strengthening and innovating ministries of worship, discipleship, and transformation because we believe that God has called us out of the boat and to step on the playing field of life to succeed and to transform the world around us. But see, the impossible is also possible for us as well. I mean, if you want a deeper relationship with God, it's right there. If you want a better understanding of your faith, it's available to us. If you've been praying and thinking about that person that needs a relationship with Christ like you have, that needs a relationship and the opportunities that this church has done to enrich your life that would enrich theirs, all we have to do is keep focused on the mission. The impossible is possible with God. And the greatest thing about it, if we stay focused on Christ, what we begin to realize that is the impossible is possible, that we are never alone. Just like Peter discovered as he got out, if he got slightly distracted and he began to sink, Jesus was there to lift him up with my brothers and sisters. That's true for you and me as well. That's true for our church. And once we realize that we're slightly distracted and we get a little off course, all we have to do is say, Lord, help me, and the Lord will pick us up and put us back on course See, it was bold for Chris Quinn to step out on the hallowed courts of Wimbledon. But it was even bolder yet for Peter to step out of the boat and to try to walk across water because he said to Jesus, Lord, call me out. And Jesus said, come. And he followed. So the question that remains for you and me today is this. What is the bold ask that God is calling us to utter? What is the bold ask that God is daring us to utter? As we sit in the boat, do we dare God to call us out to do? Maybe it's to organize a prayer ministry. Maybe it's to facilitate a faith formation class. Or maybe to build and to shepherd a small group of people for community and growth together. Or maybe it's to go deeper in our faith. Maybe it's to invite a friend to be in relationship with God and to avail themselves of the ministries of this church. Maybe it's to use your gifts with greater significance for the kingdom of God. Here's what we know. No matter what that question is, no matter what God calls us, dares us to utter, that if we ask that we will be called out of the boat, out of the stands, off the sidelines, that we'll be called out over the side of the boat, and if we focus on Christ, that we will find success because God is already there reaching out to us, calling us. So as you ponder that question today and in the days to come, do not fear. We should not be afraid, but we should rejoice in the opportunity of ministry that it avails. But as we ponder that, as you find out what it is, let us know because we want to help. We want to open the floodgates so that we might all participate in the kingdom. But know this, that all we have to do is ask because Christ is already there for us to focus our lives and our hearts upon and we will be successful because he will hold us up no matter how the winds may blow and the waves may roar. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.